0: so with that in mind while we're talking about invitations let's talk about boundaries raise your hand <laughs> in a quick poll if you can think of somebody who has had a negative influence on your life all over the place if you can think of somebody and we, we're not going to name them keep your hand up but if you can think of somebody always critical griping complaining maybe somebody that has a tempting uh kind of thing in your life someone who may someone who makes you feel worse about yourself every time you leave their presence who who in the house has, 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 so okay, all right, most people, all right, put your hand down. Every family has a psycho. It's scientifically proven, 100% accuracy. If you know who the psycho is in your family, raise your hand. Let me see it. If you know who the psycho is in your family, those of you that didn't raise your hands, I'm sorry to tell you, you're the psycho. You're the the one they're identifying. Every family has one. And some of you are like, I'm going to be kind. I'm not going to raise my hand. Uh, Well, you just outed yourself. We all have people who push our buttons. We all have people in our daily life who can just get on our last nerve. We're annoyed by Maybe there's hurtful behaviors. Maybe there's unmet expectations. Maybe it's a person who is just overbearing all the time. There's a very popular word in our society today called he's just toxic or she's just toxic. Got to stay away from child, from toxic people. Where does this behavior, where does this stuff come from? It Honestly, it starts in childhood. Some of you all think that when we, when we humans have babies that they're just cute. And they're precious and they're sin free. They're a bunch of little heathens, y'all. Just go watch in the nursery. Don't be creepy, but go watch the nursery. They bite each other when they want something. They say some of their favorite words are mine and no. Like we come out of the womb with the ability to annoy each other. Every single one. Don't you dare elbow your spouse in the ribs but we have to figure out a way to get along with each other it's not an easy thing to do I have pictures of this and I purposefully didn't show them because I don't want to embarrass my children too much in front of you guys but in our house we have a thing we call the get along shirt raise your hand if you know what the get along shirts all about it's usually a triple XL white t-shirt that a parent took a sharpie and wrote get along shirt on the front of it and when the kids in the house are fighting so much and they just keep fighting and fighting and fighting we pull out the get-along shirt and we put it over both of the kids and they have to wear the shirt and do everything for the rest of the afternoon an undisclosed amount of time they have to wear the get-along shirt and the get-along shirt when you put it on initially there's a lot more fighting it's like don't touch me I'm not touching you I'm not touching you I'm not touching like it just kind of devolves. But after a while, they start getting the point. The get-along shirt means we can't leave each other's presence. Sometimes when one arm is out of the shirt, just because it's more comfortable, they'll put their other arm around the other one. And they'll walk around like this. And they'll start doing things together. And it doesn't always end with like this full house 90s sitcom aha kind of moment where everything is perfect, but there are lessons learned with the get-along shirt. So much so that just the other night, over dinner, I was hearing the ning ning ning, and I said, I'm about to get the get-along shirt. Things just started. Some of y'all, it was worth the price of admission just to hear about the get-along shirt this morning. You know what the get-along shirt does? It, it, it restricts the movement and it creates boundaries. It's complicated. It's kind of funny and light-hearted, the whole "I'm not touching you" thing. But life without boundaries is very, 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 very hard. A life without boundaries is very detrimental. We can have fun with the get along shirt and raising our hands with funny little true but funny things about our families. But for some of us, the idea of boundaries is kind of feels like a dark thing because every every one of us has a weakness if you've ever sat through a uh, an NA meeting or an AA meeting or one of those addiction groups one of the things that you learn is how powerful things are like addiction and how weak we human beings can be our text for today comes from Matthew chapter 7 And Jesus is sharing, um, he's coming out of his sermon, he's finishing up the Sermon on the Mount. And in verse 13, he shares these words in verse 13 and verse 14. I want you to read this with me. It's up here on the screen. You ready? Loud and proud, okay? Don't you dare half measure the word of God. All right? Don't do it. This is God's words, not our words, are the most important ones that we have today. So full-throated, okay? Okay? Thanks. Are right, you ready? Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to, and many enter through it, but is the gate. God, just in these next few moments, I pray that your word, your life, your commands, your hope, your voice would be louder than mine, would be brighter than any light that we shine. God, help us find the narrow way. Jesus said only few find it. That doesn't sound very hopeful. But it is hopeful because there's a way. And it can be found. And your Holy Spirit helps us. So we humble ourselves before you and ask for your help. We humble ourselves, we bring our vulnerable selves to you. You see everything that we struggle with. You see the relationships and the drama and the tears and the angst and the conversations that we have over and over and over and over and over again every day about the things that bug us or we can't get over. You see it. You hear it. You know us. And God, we pray for your help. We need your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If we're going to stay on the narrow road... We need help. Enter this concept called boundaries. Now, a boundary, very simply defined, is a line with a consequence. A line with the consequence. Okay, say that with me. A boundary is a line with a consequence. If you touch a burning hot stove, what's the consequence? You get burned. If you step onto the train track as the train is coming, what will happen? You're going to die. It's not going to be pretty. A boundary is a consequence. Now, those are extreme boundaries, being burned and being killed. But what Jesus said here about the narrow road and the wide gate is very indicative of a way with boundaries. I want to give a shout out to some people who have done a lot of work on this. And I've gotten a lot from, uh, first of all, Henry Cloud and John Townsend wrote this book called Boundaries several, several years ago. And if you've never read it, if you've never taken a class or been in a group around this content, content right here, fantastic. Um, get, take a snapshot of that, pull out your phone, take a picture, whatever. Get on Amazon. Totally, totally worth going through. Uh, some, some, some of you are like, uh, man, boundaries are just difficult and they're hard. This is the book for you. Uh, a couple other people who have had a big impact on me is uh, a, a Methodist pastor out of South Bend, uh, South Bend Indiana named uh, Mark Beeson. He's no longer with us, but he's had a huge impact on how I've understood boundaries. And then the author Greg McEwen, wrote a book called Essentialism. And for those of you that that like the idea of being minimalistic and like really focusing on what you consider to be the big rocks or the important things in your life, Greg McEwan's book, Essentialism, is fantastic. There's a picture that's going to help kind of guide our way this morning, and it's, it's the picture of a road, the picture of a path. I mean, it's kind of like what Jesus was saying here in Scripture about wide is the gate, narrow is the road, right? So I want to, I want to draw this picture of a road, and we're just going to draw it very simply, bird's eye view, a two-lane road. And all the traffic, like this is this is actually it's a four lane road because over here's the other lane. But all the traffic is moving in that direction. So if you're looking down in bird's eye view, now I, my family we lived in the Baltimore, DC area for about 13 years. And in the Baltimore, DC area, when you when you are on the highways, especially around Baltimore, there's a lot of bridges, like a lot of bridges. And the roads have this very familiar thing. There's these things that are called white lines on the sides of the roads. Now some of y'all didn't realize it, but around here we have white lines on our road too. We do. And there's like lanes, like like paint marks in the road for lanes, and we're supposed to actually stay in our lane. If you didn't understand that, we've got a class for you at the DMV. Talk to me later when we change lanes we're supposed to turn on a signal we're supposed to look to see if anybody's there it's a crazy concept but this is a bird's eye view of the road and the white lines are to help us do what this is not a trick question stay in our lane that's what the white lines are for and when you get into the Baltimore area those lines are really faded a lot they're, they're like if you drive in Baltimore um, they sometimes this is followed <laughs> But it's the rumble strips. Anybody know about the rumble strips? It's the <laughs> somebody like ah, ah. it's the rumble strips that are really, really a concern. Because if the rumble strips, if you get on the rumble strips, what's gonna happen inside your car? You're gonna vibrate, you're gonna you're gonna feel the tension. It's going, it's going like it'll it'll get you. Like you get over on it and it's loud. On road trips, one of my favorite things to do because I'm sick and weird is to have some nice music on and to look around and see people sleeping. I like to just go over there and buzz those Rumble strips. People are like, ah, ah," they think we're in Iraq. (laughs) I'm just sitting there. I'm like, what? What's wrong with y'all? Well, we're good. We're good. And I'll just buzz them every now and then. Here in town on 49 coming out of Richfield, they have rumble strips not just on the side of the road, but in the middle of the road, too. It annoys the heck out of me because I think I'm a good driver until I get in that kind of a narrow lane thing with the buzzing things. Now, in the Baltimore area, because there are a lot of bridge, a lot of bridges, there's a the white lines, there's a the rumble st- strips, but there's also these big concrete metal guardrails on both sides of the road. On both sides of the lane, there's these guardrails. And there's a reason, because on this side over here, it's just a bunch of water. And what's going to happen if you cross the white line, you cross the rumble strip, and you go through the barricade? You're going in the water, and you probably ain't going to be swimming, because these bridges are pretty high, and the water is always cold and dirty. And if you go through the guardrail on this side and no oncoming traffic, what's going to happen? You're going to get hit. So these white lines, rumble strips, and guardrails are here to help us because we need to know when we've crossed over. Now the point of driving and the point of life, and those of you that have parents that have, have imposed restrictions and boundaries on you, the point of life is not to find out where the line is. Where's the line so I can cross it? Anybody out there? When you were uh, like me, when you were a teenager, your goal was to find where the line was and come right up close to it. I didn't cross the line; we're good. I'm right here. It's like it's like you know, Harbor Freight closes at ten o'clock or nine o'clock, and I show up at eight fifty nine. You know, there's the line. Technically, no, you didn't cross the line. You're still good. But the point of life is not to just come up to the side of the line. Because what's happening if you come up to the side of the line in all three of these things, you're just getting that much closer and closer and closer to danger. The question is not how far. The question is not where is the edge. The question is, here's the question for those of you that are wanting to follow Jesus, for those of you who want a sane life that is is without as much toxicity as possible, here's the question for you. The question for you is... Where are you putting that line? Where is that line in your life? Where are the white lines that are just indicators and warnings of, hey, hey, I'm getting close to something. Where are the rumble strips that get your attention? And where are the guardrails that are going to save you from crossing over and falling down into the gutter, falling down into the water? Boundaries are very Christ-like. Remember what our text today said. It said, wide is the gate. Narrow is the road. Boundaries are very Christ-like. But they don't feel very Christ-like for us sometimes. Because boundaries can, can feel mean. They can. Let me give you an example. Boundaries can feel mean when you've got a friend or a family member who is struggling with addiction. Because as soon as you put up boundaries, it feels like you're cutting them off. It feels like you're being mean to that person. Boundaries can feel mean. When you're in a marriage that is filled with such toxicity that that the only way that you communicate with each other is through yelling and screaming. And as soon as you put up boundaries, it's like, well, now we can't even talk. Now I can't, now I can't. And it it feels not Christ-like. It feels cold. It feels calloused. And I think that's a good reason why this, this picture is very helpful. Because a white line and a rumble strip are the things that get our attention before we really do damage to the car. You know what happens if you stay on a rumble strip for too long? Your your car is going to get out of alignment. It's it's not going to work right. What happens if you just ride the white line all the time? You might get pulled. You might get pulled over by a cop saying, hey, is everything okay? You just keep crossing that line. And if you're lucky, you get a warning. And if you're not, you get a ticket. But you don't die. Think about this. When Jesus was walking this earth with his disciples, Jesus loves everybody. But he didn't interact with everybody equally. He recruited, he called 12 disciples, 12 men to be in his inner circle. And then there were also people like Mary, Magdalene, and Martha. And there were women who were part of, who sat at his feet. But Jesus didn't go out and recruit every single person in town. And of the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples, there were three that were in Jesus' friend group inner circle, holy holies, if you will. And there were times when Jesus would sneak out and leave those who were closest to him, his disciples, his friend group, his his big three, and he would go up in the mountains to be alone and to pray. And they would go looking for them. He'd leave, and they'd be like, where is he? Where did he go we can't find him what's he doing what he's doing is he's getting strong with God so he could come back and he could minister to those who needed him think about how Jesus handled people like the Pharisees he didn't treat the Pharisees the same way he treated his disciples he said things he called them names Jesus called the religious people names some of y'all are like, like, really offended at at certain things when you see name-calling on social media, I gotta tell you, I think it'd be hilarious to see what Jesus would do with social media if he were walking among us today. Jesus called the Pharisees and the religious people snakes, broods of vipers. Some of them he even called wolves in sheep's clothing. And he... He just gave and he but he kept them at arm's length all the time. He didn't interact with them unless the conditions made it so that he needed to. He had boundaries, he had white lines and rumble strips and guardrails set up in his life. And even with his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Whenever they tried to take him away from something that God was doing. He put up boundaries. Peter, one of the most on-fire guys for Jesus, one of the inner circle guys. He's around Jesus, and this story is in Matthew chapter 16. He's around Jesus, and Jesus is giving this emotional goodbye. Jesus is basically saying to his disciples, I'm going to leave you. I am going to go away. I'm going to suffer, and it's good that I do it. Jesus is having this emotional interaction with his disciples he says i'm going to die for you but i'm going to come back it's a good thing and peter jesus loving peter with good intention says no jesus i'm not going to let you die there i will die in your place there's no way that's going to happen to you and look what jesus says in verse 23 he puts up a very firm boundary with people jesus with peter jesus turned and said to peter get get behind me what he call him Get behind me, Satan! You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now, I don't recommend you going to your mother-in-law and saying, "Get behind me, Satan." I don't recommend you going to your friends and say, "Get behind me, devils." Now, if they're if they're unless they're a stumbling block to the things of God, me, but you ain't Jesus, okay? The last thing I would encourage you to do is to go up to somebody and say, you're the devil, get behind me, I've got a boundary. No. Look at how Jesus used this. Look at how Je- this was one of his closest, he was making a very big point. Rem- remember, you ain't Jesus. Say that with me, I ain't Jesus. I ain't Jesus. I ain't Jesus. Don't go calling nobody the devil. made this point. And and when it comes to boundary setting, there's some simple boundaries. If you're taking notes, there's some very simple, practical boundaries. Very simple. And here's kind of how we'll do it. There may be times when somebody is demanding and they're talking about the wrong things. They're tempting you and what you're going to do and what you're going to say. And and remember, the whole name of this series is it's complicated. Relationships are complicated. There is no one-size-fits-all template for all the relationships in the room. But boundaries, the narrow way, the way to life, is something that we all have access to. And the Holy Spirit guides us in putting up the right boundaries in our life. So as we consider this, as you consider the people in your life or the relationships in your life, consider who is on the same path. Who is keeping you, right, like going after God. Who, like, like these are the things you have to consider. But there's some very simple, practical things that I want to give you. What are you going to do? What are you going to say? I'm, there, there's a couple. The first one is this. It's a statement that I, I did not. It's not original with me. But it's a good statement, and it's this: I won't let you talk to me that way. Instantly, that kind of feels pushy, a little bit rude. Some of you are like, that's just not the way I would say. I won't let you talk to me that way. Some of you are like, I, I, I just feel like that's mean. Another way to say it is, I won't let you treat me that way. These are some very simple, simple things of, of, of really setting a clear boundary. And you're not coming out swinging, you're not yelling, you're not calling anybody the devil. You're just very calmly putting up a healthy boundary. This is what, what I would call a white line kind of boundary. Because there are people in our lives who demand things, expect things criticize things they're just they're just always like like they're not helping us they're not they're not really aiding they're not really like on the same path and they they're not evil people but saying I'm not gonna let you talk to me like that or you can't treat me that way it's actually the right thing to do for example if you've got a friend who is always gossiping have you ever noticed that with a lot of church people of course not this church but in other churches gossip is a big thing like I said not in this church we don't talk about other people at all in this church and crickets but have you ever have you noticed that gossip is kind of like a thing gossip is found in prayer meetings you know well you need to pray for him because you're not going to believe what he did you've got to pray for her because can you believe she walked out and did that to her family you got to keep them in prayer let's just pray for them right now and then prayer has turned like into kind of this passive aggressive weird kind of icky thing you know like like so many people this is not in my notes and this might get me in trouble but hey i don't you know whatever uh so many people have been complaining about the performances of the grammys uh like the devil worshiping and all this stuff I, I, honestly Quite honestly, I, I think the devil looks a lot less like somebody in horns and without clothes. I think the devil looks a lot more like these slimy conversations. It sneaks in, it causes division. It's not good. The devil coming in looks a lot more like these passive aggressive, gossipy little things where it just divides people and it creates this weird feeling when you see them in public again of, oh, yeah, you feel that way, but we never talked about that, so we're just going to smile and pretend everything's okay. Does that make any sense to anybody, or is that just me? And if you get sucked into that kind of hell, look out. That is a wide-road way of living, not a narrow-road way. It's very simple, practical boundary. You stay, you know what, I'm not going to let you talk to me that way. You don't just... You don't just hope that people are going to understand by you being quiet or you being passive. As soon as that kind of talk starts, you stop it and you become known as the person who doesn't put up with that kind of talking. You become known as the person who is probably going to be considered rude because you're not going on the wide way. Because what happens with the wide way, it leads to destruction. It leads to death. It leads to division. What happens on the narrow way, it leads to life. You can't, you can't expect people to magically assume that just because you're not talking, that you have a boundary. You literally have to draw a line and say, I'm, you're not talking with me that way. But what if they persist? What if they keep doing it? What if I say that and they just keep going? Well, another thing you might say is, you know what? I'm not going there with you. I'm Wherever there is, I'm not going there with you. And, and at this point, consequences start taking effect. I'm not going there with you, and if that's where you're going, we probably shouldn't be talking very much. Man, that, that feels icky right there to say. And it's like, that doesn't feel like something Jesus would say. That doesn't feel like rosy, bubbly, praise and worship song kind of material that way. But you know what? That's what a rumble strip is. It's rough. That's why we have to have things in our life. We have to have these things that says whatever you're doing is just not helpful. I'm not going to be judgy and I'll preach your man at you for having this conversation. I will tell you if I disagree. I will tell you if I think it's wrong. And I will tell you that I'm just not going there. You just draw the line and say it. And guys, it could be this. For you, for you men in the room that are married, an old ex-girlfriend contacts you on Facebook and just wants to get together for a, for a casual lunch it could look like something as simple as that and, and 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 I'm just going to tell you you may disagree with me but I think that's wrong I'm am j- just not going to go with with an ex to lunch and catch up on old times you just draw the line and you just say it hey I'm glad to see you I hope you're doing great um but I'm I'm not going to lunch with you I'm married I'm committed. I'm glad to hear from you. That's—I just did not feel right to me. How do you say things like that in a non-judgy way that makes somebody feel like crap? Well, you make it all about yourself. I'm just not comfortable doing that. You just don't go there. And I want to drive this point home for a minute because this is happening all the time. Don't go to lunch with an ex just to catch up or an old boyfriend, or an old girlfriend, or just talking with them over and over. Just don't do it. The potential for toxicity in your relationship is right there. You just don't do that. Now, all that being said, there's going to be times when you do that and somebody doesn't respect the boundary. They continue to tempt. They continue to criticize. They continue to abuse. They continue to poison. They keep asking you to go to lunch to talk about a few things. It's just lunch. It's in public. There's going to be people that are very persistent with this. And at that point, you're not dealing dealing with a person. You're You're not dealing with whatever that person's name is. You're dealing with what is called a pattern. You're dealing with a pattern. And patterns can only be broken by cutting off the source of the pattern. It's the same thing that happens in addiction. So many of us who have been addicted to things we don't want to do the same thing over and over again we put up things so that we don't entertain it and we're not around it but then there's this same old situation there's the same old thing that happens every time I want to remind you wide is the gate narrow is the road and patterns can only be broken by cutting off the source and what I'm about to tell you is something very dramatic and many of you will disagree but I stand by this 100 percent and there's biblical precedent for it toxic patterns must be cut off toxic patterns must be cut off there's biblical direction for this and what do you mean Nate do you mean that like I have to cut off a person sometimes yeah I think it's very, 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 very rare. And I don't have time to get into all of that dynamic in the sermon today, but Wednesday night in our, in our Bible study, the topic is going to be, should I repair this relationship or should I replace this relationship? And we're going to be pulling out stuff from Scripture that gets into the heart of that question, repair or replace I said it's backed up by scripture. Let me prove that really quick. If you look at Genesis chapter 39, there's a story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. She's pursuing him. He says no. He runs away. In Luke 22, when they're around the table at the Last Supper, Jesus looks at Judas and says, whatever you're going to do, go do it quickly. And he has given over to Satan. These are rare, rare things. But then Paul has this instruction for the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He says this, I wrote you in my earlier letter that you shouldn't make yourselves at home among the sexually promiscuous. This is a hard passage, by the way. I didn't mean that you should have nothing to do at all with outsiders of that sort. Now, hold on, push the pause button. Paul is talking to a church. He's saying, don't be at home among the sexually promiscuous. But here's what I don't mean I don't mean the people outside of your church that live that way. I didn't mean that you should have nothing to do at all with outsiders of that sort or with criminals, whether blue or white collar, or with spiritual phonies for that matter. You'd have to leave the world entirely entirely to get away from those people. But I am saying that you shouldn't act as if everything is just fine. When a friend who claims to be a Christian is promiscuous or crooked. That sentence right there causes a lot of stress for Christians who don't like conflict. Paul literally says, I'm I'm saying you can't act like everything is okay. When a friend who claims to follow the Jesus way is promiscuous or crooked is flipped with God, rude to friends, gets drunk or becomes greedy and predatory you just can't go along with us treating it as acceptable behavior i'm not responsible for what the outsiders do but don't we have some responsibility for those within our community of believers paul is literally saying to this church hey if you see brothers and sisters who who are not on the narrow way the least loving thing to do is act like they're not going over the bridge over the guardrail to certain death He's saying you can't act like everything is just fine if they are clearly living a life and pursuing a life that is outside of the narrow way. God decides on the outsiders, but we need to decide when our brothers and sisters are out of line and if necessary, clean house. Ooh, it gets really quiet when Paul starts talking like that. Now let me be very, 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 very clear. This is not license for the church to be filled with a bunch of buttholes. And I censored that statement. The church is not given license by the Apostle Paul to go around and point out sin and become the sin patrol or the sin police. That is not his point. And I want to be very, very, very clear that when Paul has these words and he says these words, that if the church, if a church is, is cutting off a member, is cutting off someone from the church, this is an extremely rare thing for the church or a Christian to do. Extremely rare. Or it should be very, very rare. If you are in a habit of just cutting people out of your life, all the time if you can go back and you've lost count of how many people you've cut out of your life i would i would submit to you you might be doing it wrong because there is so much grace there is so much process there is so much growth and discipleship in the narrow road What I want you to hear today right now as we talk about the narrow way, as we talk about boundary setting, is that you have to do the hard work not to find out where's the death line, where's the toxic line. You have to do the hard work in your life to set boundaries so that you don't drift anywhere close to it because narrow is the way. You have to do the hard work and 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 i do want to give you this there's some of you that can't be here wednesday night so i want to give you i I do want to give you this and pull out your phone and take a picture of this if you need to there are some healthy ways to cut out toxic patterns i didn't say people i said patterns here's some healthy ways to cut out some toxic patterns one is to receive help from others we have a group that meets on tuesday night called living free That is a great group to get around to receive help from other people when it comes to toxic patterns. Because sometimes the toxic patterns might be mine and not another person's. Pray for God's Holy Spirit to reveal to you any way you contribute to the toxic pattern. Develop and learn new skills and responses for difficult relationships, responding righteously no matter what is done. Give yourself time. This is one that a lot of people skip. You've got to give yourself time to see what happens with new behaviors. Prayer and help, redemption. Those, these things are processes. If we're in habits of just cutting people off and being all machismo about my boundary setting, you're doing it wrong. This is actually something that's filled with humility, and it's more about you than it is about them. So when we say it's complicated, yeah, it's complicated. Because this just keeps coming back to me. It just keeps coming back here. Over the next couple weeks in this series, we're going to talk about a couple things. Next week, we're going to talk about parenting. And everybody here may not be parents, but everybody here had a parent figure. Everybody here has been a kid, at least. We're going to talk about the heart of the father, the heart of parents. Last week, we're going to talk about human sexuality and what God has to say about it. We started off with this whole concept of adulting around the love of Jesus. We're getting into this boundary stuff and we're getting into like the really practical relationship dynamics over the next couple of weeks. But right now, as we talk about the narrow way, as we talk about God in our hearts, some of you need to hear from the Spirit of God today about a boundary a white line, a rumble strip, a guardrail that you need to set up. Or maybe even identify a toxic pattern. I want to pray for you. Because many of you are going to say, you know what, I can see it. I can see there's a person... That I'm around and the negativity that I that I that I get—it's always dragging me down. There's somebody there's, who's controlling. Somebody is tempting me. I really need to set boundaries. I want to pray for you may have been beyond that. Maybe you've tried and maybe you need to totally redefine the relationship. But there's some of you that say, you know what, there's there's somebody like that in my life. Would you just lift up your hands as a sign of, like, surrender to God? Man, I need prayer because I, I need some help figuring these boundaries out. Yeah. Yeah, there's several of us. Just lift up your hand as a signifying to God, I need help. Hey, would you bow your heads with me? God, I pray that you would give your people wisdom. Not to be mean-spirited. Not to abandon or abort your call to forgive. Not to forget or, and not to lay aside this idea to love our enemies or to bless those who curse us. But give your people wisdom to set up appropriate boundaries. We, we want the narrow way, the way to life. God, I pray that you would give us the courage even to have the difficult conversations. if there's anybody here that's maybe in a relationship so toxic that is poisoning you and keeping you from doing what God has called you to do, I pray that God would give you the courage to recognize it and to step away, to redefine the relationship, to completely break off the past and the patterns that are there, and God, if that's what you've called them to do, I pray that they would hear from your Holy Spirit clearly. I pray that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them the words. I pray that you would give them courage, God. Help us to see that toxic company truly corrupts, pollutes, erodes, and poisons good character. Give us the courage to not let that happen so we can be the people that you've called us to be. There's some of us here today with your heads bowed. We have a toxic relationship with God. It just ain't right. Maybe there's some patterns of just turning around and, and going back to the same things and there's just this distance between you and God and you you some of you feel it right now you need to come to God and you need to get that cleaned up and if that's you if you'd say that's me I want to know God better I want to break the patterns I need to be forgiven I am sinful there is toxicity here I need a savior if that's you would you just lift your hands and say Jesus take my life all over this room if you'd say Nate pray for me I'm far away from Jesus Jesus take my life lift your hand and say, yes, I surrender to Jesus. Would you pray with me out loud? Heavenly Father, would you pray with me out loud? Heavenly Father, save me from my sin. I need forgiveness. And I need a Savior. I want to know you. I want to serve you. I want to follow you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your new life. Fill me with your spirit so I can walk with you always. Thank you for new life. Take all of mine. In Jesus' name I pray.